When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. TDN Fantasy listeners, do you want to win some money in weekly fantasy sports this year? Well, check out our friends over at Owner's Box. You can join their latest contest for free by using the code DREW9. That is DREW9, as in Drew Brees. And you can win some money today. We've talked in the show about how much money I was able to win in their week one contest. You can join in on the fun now. Win some money of your own by going on ownersbox.com or downloading the Owner's Box app on your device. Make sure you join and get your lineups in today. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. I am your solo host today, Jamie Eisner. Chris and Jake are both on the road, and this was just going to be a lot easier if I came to you here on a solo podcast tonight. So if you hate the sound of my voice, I am very sorry. Make sure you just download and don't listen to this episode. But for everybody else that can still tolerate me, I'll be happy to walk you through a very interesting, injury-filled, exciting uh, all of those words apply to the week three slate. But before we get into that, I'd like to give a shout out to our friends over at Bet Online. You can already bet on week three lines right now. Like you don't have to wait till the weekend. You can go over to Bet Online, check out Monday Night Football's line for the Cowboys and the Eagles. You can check out next week's line for week four in the NFL. And you can get a 50% bonus up to $1,000 as a welcome bonus for first time players that are joining and depositing now. Make sure you go to betonline.ag today so you can start wagering and start winning. Let's just get right into it. There are a bunch of games to get into, a full slate of action, and we will start with a maybe a surprising result if you did not expect it and you did not watch this game coming in. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Detroit Lions 19-17, to and they do it on what I would imagine would be the greatest kick in the history of football. Uh, Justin Tucker is not human, and I'm almost a little bit disappointed we don't have Jake on here to to push that hype train for Justin Tucker. The kickers are people too. Crowd, 66-yard field goal as time expires that hits the crossbar and bounces in. Uh, a play you would throw your controller across the room if it happened in Madden. 
and it's just another in a long line of a lot of Lions losses. But let's talk about the fantasy relevant information from this game. I'll be the first to admit, I loved all of the Ravens in this game, and it didn't quite play. Well, I shouldn't say it didn't play out the way I expected. It did, just the results didn't play there. Uh, I expected a big game from Hollywood Brown, who had literally every opportunity to have a monster matchup winning type game for Baltimore, but drops three passes, a couple of them in the end zone. Three for 53, it was okay uh, if you look at the final line, but he should have had a monster game here. Uh, Mark Andrews with a nice bounce back performance, cut, catches five of the seven targets for 109 yards, maintaining himself solidly in that top five tight end group. I know there was a lot of concern in the fantasy community because he had such a slow start to the season. As far as running backs go, a little bit of nothing. Uh, Tyson Williams surprisingly was very infrequently used in the first half of this game. He only gets five carries and one target in total. They were using Latavius Murray. They were using Devonta Freeman. Not a lot of success for anybody on the ground except for Lamar in this game. 58 yards leads the team there. And on Detroit, DeAndre Swift is just really putting together a really solid season considering the circumstances. I mean, he catches seven passes on his seven targets for 60 yards, rushes for 47 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He's just finding a way to get involved in this offense. It continues to be this player that you can't really rank him outside of high-end RB2 territory. You know, he's just going to get plenty of work. There is nobody that's going to steal targets from him besides from TJ Hawkinson, who has actually a first bad game of the season here. Uh, Only two targets for him. Khalif Raymond got all the targets in this game, caught six of them for 68 yards and no scores there. But I don't know, man. Uh, Look, this Lions team is is dreadful, but they're at least fun to watch for fantasy purposes. I just wish there were more fantasy relevant players than Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. But Swift continues after Chris was very worried about him all offseason, continues to be highly productive. Let's move on to another game here, the Falcons and the Giants, and Cordell Patterson's going to be a thing, it looks like. Mike Davis outtouched him in this game still. Mike Davis had 16 touches to Cordell Patterson's 13, but six for 82 in the passing game for Cordell, or excuse me, in the receiving game for Cordell Patterson, that'll play. Let all Falcons there. Seven for 20 on the ground. Like, this is going to be a thing, um, especially considering the injuries and how lackluster uh, the running back position has been. It's hard not to look at Cordell Patterson as at least a weekly flex consideration for you. Uh, Kyle Pitts, not much in this game, too, for 35. Matt Ryan looked a little bit better. On the Giants' side, really, uh, injuries early in this game completely derailed what I thought was going to be a massive performance from everybody involved. You know, Darius Slayton leaves in the first quarter with a hamstring injury. A few plays later, Sterling Shepard joins him and is out for the game. You know, we got to see a little bit more of Saquon Barkley, which I think is a, is a much welcome sight to those who took him in the first round against the TDN Fantasy Shows listens. But uh, if you did, he, the injuries opened up a lot for him. Six for 43 in the passing game, 16 carries on the ground. So that's 22 touches for Saquon Barkley. Galladay, four for 64. He was fine. Like, the Giants guys for fantasy were all fine. Uh, you were expecting a bigger performance. Uh, Saquon gets a little bit credit. He gets in the end zone. First rushing touchdown since December of 2019. It has been that long for Saquon Barkley. So he has a nice game, but the, the massive performances that I expected from Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, et cetera, et cetera, did not manifest. And then uh, Evan Ingram, even though he did play in this game, was nothing special. 
Next up is Saints Patriots. And if you can figure out what Saints team is going to show up on a weekly basis, congratulations, because I have not cracked that code yet. They look really good here on the road in Foxborough. Alvin Kamara looks like his old self. Gets a ton of work, 27 touches in this game. Uh, Three for 29 and a touchdown in the receiving game. 89 yards on 24 carries on the ground. Marquez Callaway finally has that breakout-ish performance, but he gets in the end zone. Four for 41 and a touchdown. Uh, Like Jameis, again, 13 for 21, 128 yards, two passing touchdowns. Like I don't know where the consistent fantasy value is going to come from this team anywhere other than Alvin Kamara. And I'm sure after last week, you're very happy to see a big bounce pack performance if you took Kamara. Really no actionable advice here. Like you're starting Kamara every single week. I still don't trust Callaway or Harris or Stills or really any of these guys or Jameis for that matter. You're kind of just starting Kamara and you're waiting for Michael Thomas to come back. Uh, another note here, uh, Adam Trotman not listed on the, uh, and Juwan Johnson for that matter, not listed in the box score. So let's not try to make New Orleans tight ends a thing because it's just not going to be a thing. On the New England side, a little bit of a, Step forward, two steps back-ish type of a game for Mac Jones. Three interceptions. One of them wasn't necessarily his fault, but you know we saw him take a little bit more chances down the field, but he also didn't look very good in this game. Uh, the biggest news coming out is James White uh, with that hip injury. It looks bad. Uh, I would not be surprised if James White does not play for the rest of the season. So obviously unfortunate for him, uh, and it's very unfortunate for his fantasy managers because he was proving to be the player that he was with Tom Brady over these last few weeks here with Mac Jones. You know, Damian Harris, the game script did not play in his favor, and that's always the concern with him. He's not going to be involved in the passing game very much. He needs to get in the end zone to be a guy that's going to be an RB2. Only got six carries, 2.3 yards per carry in this game. Nothing special. Jacoby Myers continues to be a target hog and just soak up receptions. 14 targets in this game, catches nine for 94. Kendrick Bourne finds the end zone. Hunter Henry got a little bit more involved because John R. Smith did not look good in this game. You just kind of know what to expect. Like Damian Harris is a flex. Jacoby Myers is a flex. Uh, I'm not really starting any of the Patriots tight ends, as I continue to say, if I said all offseason. So that is where those guys stand. And they obviously have a humongous matchup on tap. If you haven't heard 18 million times this week, they have a huge matchup on tap on Sunday Night Football against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's move on to another upset of the day. If you thought the Falcons upset over the Giants was surprising, how about the Bengals going into Heinz Field for the first time in what, more than half a decade and winning 24 to 10? And it wasn't that close. And I got to eat some crow here. I, I We've talked in the show before about how preseason doesn't matter and not to buy into too much of training camp hype and some of this other stuff. But I did with Jamar Chase's drops. Because look, I mean, we hadn't seen him play football since 2019. He comes into camp, has some drop issues, drops four of his five targets for zero catches in the preseason. I was worried. And this was a guy that I was supremely high on all offseason. And I panicked and I dropped him down my rankings about 10 spots. And I shouldn't have. It was an overreaction. Looks excellent here. Gets two touchdowns in this game, including that first touchdown that he scores where he has to like make a catch on the ball as it's sinking on him. And he has to kind of really grab it below, below his knees there. Four for 65, two touchdowns. My guy, Tyler Boyd, has a really, really nice effort. Muscle touchdown into the end zone. Four for 36 in the score. You know, Joe Mixon had a nice day. He just didn't score. Uh, you know, 18 carries, 90 yards, five yards of carry on the ground. 
caught a pass for four yards. He just he gets in the end zone. You're really thrilled with the day. Uh, but him being not being able to score there makes you at least a little bit disappointed as a Joe Mixon fantasy manager. Joe Burrow uh, doesn't only throws the ball 18 times, but three of them go in the end zone. So he had a pretty solid day on his end. Again, still not quite a QB one for me. Like it, it's going to take some bye weeks before I really feel confident putting Joe Burrow in my lineup, but you got to be happy with his performance here on the sealer side of things. Oh boy. Uh, I mean, we could start with how bad Ben Roethlisberger looks, but I want to start with the thing that just jumped out of the page for me. 19 targets for Najee Harris. 19. That's Darren Waller-esque. 19 targets for Najee Harris. Catches 14 of them for 102. Chase Claypool himself, 15 targets in this game with Deontay Johnson out. Uh, Juju, really no, not much to be found here. Cut only has three targets, catches all three of them for 25 yards. Uh, the rookie Fryermuth gets in the end zone as, as Eric Ebron is completely phased out of this offense. But Ben looks bad. Uh, and by the way, Ben looking bad is actually probably great news for Najee Harris as a pass-catching threat because if he can't go down the field, whether it's because of his arm or his injury, Najee Harris is going to get a lot of looks. And he's not going to get 19 targets again, I don't think. But he is playing an absolutely stupid amount of snaps. Like this guy is not coming off the field. I love this. Like to me, I, if you, it, you, you can't buy him now because he's been coming off of this week. Uh, but he is somebody that I, hopefully you didn't panic on after week one. This guy is going to put up numbers this year, simply because he's <laughs> the deficiencies in that offense are going to allow him to have success. And you usually don't have to say that too often about players, but I'm really bullish on Najee Harris the rest of the way. Um, this, this Steelers team is, it's not good right now. Like I know Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season before. I think that streak comes to an end this year. Moving on to another interdivision matchup. It is the Indianapolis Colts and a hobbled Carson Wentz versus Tennessee. The Colts continue to be winless on the season. I don't know what to tell you, Jonathan Taylor managers. I really don't. Uh, he looked really good in this game and just didn't get the carries in the parts of the field where it matters. I mean, Naeem Hines gets a red zone touchdown run in this game. Like, I, I, I don't know what to say. 10 for 64 for Jonathan Taylor. Every time they gave him the ball, he looked good. He had a 23-yard run in this game. I just I don't understand what is going on in Indianapolis right now on a number of fronts. I can understand if he was just not being successful with the workload he's been given. That's not the case. I, I don't know what has changed this year. To, to do this. Like it, it makes no sense to me, but Naeem Hines continues to be a very solid value as does Michael Pittman uh, in terms of uh, six for 68 for him. Wentz looked every bit like somebody who had two sprained ankles uh, in this game. And boy, this, this Colts team is in trouble. And I think we're going to have to have a really long conversation later in the season and in this off season about how general manager Chris Ballard handled their off season, handled the quarterback position, handled the left tackle position, handled the cap space. Uh, I don't think some of the, some of these glowing reviews that Mr. Ballard has gotten over the last couple of years, I think are going to start to uh, turn the other way. That shine is not as bright as it used to be on the Tennessee side. Hopefully you didn't give up on Ryan Tannehill. Three touchdowns in this game. Still do a couple picks. Doesn't quite look like the Tannehill from last year, but a little bit better here. Derrick Henry, another hundred plus yard game on the ground. But I think the biggest takeaway for me on a Derrick Henry side is significantly involved in the passing game again. Got three more targets, caught all three for 31, had a screenplay designed for him. If Derrick Henry has even adequate 
involvement in the passing game. What a tremendous boost that is. Like that is what could give him RB1 overall potential. Like McCaffrey's hurt. Dalvin Cook's hurt, missed this game. You know, Kamara had had this big games, but I don't think this is going to be Kamara's best season of his career. If Derrick Henry can have any sort of involvement in this passing game, I man, I mean, I mean, he's going to be a tremendous value. Really excited to see him there. Julio Jones three for forty seven looked okay, but just was a guy. Uh, AJ Brown gets hurt in the first quarter of this game, never comes back. Um, it's been a disappointing year for him. Hopefully, it's not a long term thing, but. Uh, if you just looked at your box score and didn't watch the game, it wasn't that he wasn't involved. Uh, it was simply that he got hurt. Let's move on to, well, what used to be uh, a, a dominant Washington defense got 43 points dropped on it by Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And let's, we'll start with Buffalo right now. Huge, huge, huge game for Josh Allen. 358 and four on 43 pass attempts through the air. Cole Beasley soaks up. 13 targets, goes 11 for 98. Emmanuel Sanders gets in the end zone twice. Fairly solid game for Stephon Diggs, but not. we haven't seen like a superstar performance yet from him. Six for 62 in this game, 10 targets. Like, kind of waiting for him to join in on the fun. But the two takeaways here for Buffalo are a couple players that were not very fantasy relevant a few weeks ago that I think need to be on our radars right now. First is running back Zach Moss. Healthy scratch in week one, comes back, scores a couple touchdowns in week two. Heavily involved here. Out carries Devin Singletary 13 to 11, was clearly the more spry back, got one more target, uh, catches a touchdown pass in this game. I'm officially intrigued. Now, again, I don't know if you're going to be starting Zach Moss anytime soon, but I'm intrigued enough to get him on your roster, get him on your bench if somebody dropped him. And maybe during bye weeks, he can find his way into like a second flex spot or something. I don't think you really want to play any of these these. Buffalo running backs. I can't see me ranking them anywhere in the top 25, 26, 27 anytime soon, but you never know. Things happen. Bye weeks are coming. Got to be prepared. And then on the Washington football team side, uh, Antonio Gibson doesn't do much on the ground, but has that huge 73 yard uh, catch and run for a touchdown that saves his fantasy day. McLaurin and Lauren uh, was solid four for 62 and unspectacular. Uh, Logan Thomas gets in the end zone again, four for 42. You like that a lot. Tyler Heineke, he might be somebody I need to rise in my rankings. He's a baller. Like, uh, he's a tough guy. Like, he gets in the end zone on the ground, throws two in the air. Like, he doesn't quit. And you start to look at his ability to run the ball and his speed and his athletic ability, and you start to go, this isn't somebody that you can keep in the low end of QB2 range too often. Uh, I was a little worried about him this week. I was a little worried about the weather, uh, which did not play anywhere nearly as big of a factor as we thought. Uh, both these quarterbacks cut up through the wind without much of an issue there. He is somebody that if you're in a super flex league, two QB league, or as we start to get into bye weeks, that is going to be a very interesting player. Uh, if you're in a single QB league, I don't think you need to pick him up yet, but somebody else in those other formats that you need to keep an eye on. Another upset today, the Los Angeles Chargers, who went in as seven-point underdogs, beat the Kansas City Chiefs outright and boy oh boy did they deserve to win this game the chargers were clearly the better team in this matchup huge games from all the stars justin herbert 281 and four austin eckler 55 yards on the ground 652 and one through the air keenan allen eight for 50 and one and displayed stupidly strong hands and mike freaking williams seven for 122 and two the number one fantasy wide receiver of the week 
my goodness, my goodness. Uh, I mean, Mike Williams is a star. Like I, I they, I know, I know there's that running joke now that, Hey, you know, Mike Williams is playing the X receiver in, in Joe Lombardi's offense, but like he's getting Mike Thomas, like workloads, like I, I, health is always going to be the concern. It's always been the issue with him. Can he stay healthy for a long enough season? But this workload isn't going away. Like this is not a fluke. And at this point, like if you truly ask me, uh, and I, I feel like this is going to be the clip that Chris clips out at the end of the year. And we, we do like the roast of Jamie because I've gone such an about face on Mike Williams. I feel like this, what I'm about to say right now is going to be clipped out and played back to me on that roast show that we do in whatever six months from now. If you told me right now I could pick one Chargers receiver in fantasy for the rest of the year, it'd be Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. I think I take Mike Williams now. I know. I know. I know. I, I, and by the way, not that I don't like Keenan Allen. I just think both these guys are, are weekly must starts now. And I, it's, it's going to be tough for me to keep ranking Mike Williams where I've ranked him. And I keep pushing him up every single week. And I feel like I'm just not pushing up high enough. He has an awesome game here. Austin Eckler looks phenomenal again. You got the good Clyde, Clyde Edwards Alaire game. If you're Kansas City, 17 for 100 on the ground. Uh, he, you know, he gets in the end zone as well with a catch two for nine. But uh, Mahomes was iffy in this game. You know, his stat line 27 to 44, 260, three touchdowns, two interceptions. But, you know, he made some throws that he didn't need to make uh, on a couple of these interceptions. Like he's got a little too cute uh, at times. And it's a little bit concerning on that front. But Kelsey has a big game. Terry Hill, fine. Five for 56. Fumbles the ball in this game. Like nothing special. Michael Harmon gets in the end zone. Like, uh, from a fantasy perspective, it's good to see Clyde Edwards-Alaire get a little bit more involved in both the passing game and in the running game with more success. From a Kansas City standpoint, it's tough to waste these good Clyde Edwards-Alaire games on losses because you haven't got a lot of them lately. So real tough one there. Uh, Cardinals at Jaguars in a game that was weird. Uh, you, you have 109 kick six in this game to going into halftime. You have Kyler Murray not throwing for a touchdown, despite the fact that he's going up against a banged up and bad Jacksonville defense, but Cardinals find a way to get up points in this game. Trevor Lawrence struggles again, uh, 219, a touchdown, two picks. James Robinson has a nice day. Finally, 88 yards and a touchdown on the ground, gets six targets, catches all six of them. Marvin Jones, steady Eddie, six for 62. DJ Chark gets in the end zone. LaVisca Chenault gets four for 38. A lot of that early and then not much later. On the Cardinals side of things, not much from Rondell Moore in this game. Uh, only two catches on his two targets for one total yard. DeAndre Hopkins, not at full health, does not have a good game here. Three for 21. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, pick up the slack. Five for 112 for A.J. Green. Seven for 104 for Christian Kirk, who just will not go away this year. James Conner gets in the end zone twice. Chase Edmonds gets, uh, what is it here, 18 touches in this game. Uh, so it's kind of what you expected in terms of a workload standpoint, I think across the board, maybe depending on what you thought about DeAndre Hopkins, this health situation, I was a little worried. I took him out of a lot of my DFS lineups just because I was worried about how much of a decoy he would be. Uh, I was expecting a bit of game for Kyler Murray. Uh, and uh, I had him in a lot of my owner's box lineups as did Daniel Jones. They didn't quite get the performance I expected for them. But, you know, since I brought him up, let's talk about owner's box uh, again here. Not my best week on the platform. Uh, this is my first losing week on there, but I still had a really great time 
uh, making all of these different lineups. And by the way, having a lot of fun in the morning because Dalvin Cook getting ruled out, Dale Henderson getting ruled out. Like you had to be on the ball this morning. And there were several fantasy managers that were on owner's box. Make sure you check out that, check them out. Ownersbox.com. Download the owner's box app on your phone and play all of their games. They have a lot of different options for you. They're going to have their big week four 50 K contest. Use the code drew nine for a free $10 entry. That's not all. They got $25 contest, $5, $10, $1 contest. They have head to head you and one other person just put up a better lineup than the other person, essentially almost double your money right away there. Uh, They have some really interesting concepts there. They have Sunday only. They have Thursday through Monday. They have a lot Thursday through Sunday, a lot of different ways that you can play. Uh, they have some winner take alls, which I participated in for the first time this week. You join in a league with, you know, some, you know, whatever number you ends up being about 10 people. It's one winner. It's a really, really fun way to play. Make sure you check them out at ownersbox.com and download the owners box app. And if you have not played yet, use the code drew nine, a free $10 entry. I can't say I play in for free, win for free, play against me. Cannot wait for their next week's lineups to come out. Uh, and I'll be putting in all of mine early next week. Next up, the, uh, well, the um, Bears offense, if we can call it that, uh, apparently traveled to Cleveland. They didn't get to see much of it. Justin Fields, uh, I whew, this was a bad game all around. Uh, Justin Fields was bad. The offensive line was bad. Matt Nagy's play calling was bad. Uh, there's just so much bad to go around. Um, the takeaway here, you're not going to want to really play any of your bears right now. Um, this is, this is going to be a tough one for me. And I already know these bears are going to be hard for me to rank next week because the lions are very bad, but they're competitive and they're trying. Normally I would, I would have Robinson like as a, clear cut wide receiver one against Detroit and Darnell Mooney as a wide receiver three flex option. And David Montgomery as a top 15 running back, if not an RB one. Can I justify that right now? Can 24 hours from now, me, when I'm putting this together, like watching Monday night football and I'm trying to figure out where everybody's going, can I justify putting David Montgomery in RB one territory, Alan Robinson in wide receiver one territory, Darnell Mooney and wide receiver three flex territory, Cole Komet and top 15 tight end. Can I justify that based on what I saw on Sunday? I don't think so. I think I'd be crazy to do that. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these guys. Like, do they, I I just, they're back home at least. They'll have a good matchup, but this was uh, an absolute disaster. Uh, On the Cleveland side, by the way, a hat tip to Miles Garrett, four and a half sacks, franchise record for him. Odo Beckham Jr. makes his return. That's probably the big headline there. Uh, gets nine targets in this game, leads the team five for 77, a very Odo Beckham-like Browns game. Like he just is not going to get you a ton of touchdowns, but five for 77 gets a 10-yard carry in this game as well. I think you're fairly happy with what you got. He was appropriately ranked, I believe, in my rankings. Kareem Hunt has a big day, six for 74 through the air, scores a touchdown on his 10 carries, 81 yards. Fairly subdued day for uh, Nick Chubb. They didn't really need him to do much. They gave him 22 carries, but 84 yards doesn't get in the end zone, doesn't get a target. He's going to have some of these games. It happens. Moving on to, well, I found an offense that's worse than the Chicago Bears on Sunday. That was the New York Jets. Um, I would, you're going to have a hard time telling me the Jets aren't the worst team in football. 
I know we talk about the Lions. I, I know there's some other teams in that equation. Jacksonville's in that equation. Houston's in that equation. I think the New York Jets are the worst team in football right now. Like through three weeks, this team looks abysmal. Uh, after a solid week one, Zach Wilson has looked every bit like a struggling rookie these last couple of weeks. There's no semblance of a run game. Uh, their receiving core is all out of sorts. Uh, Corey Davis caught 50% of his target share today, got 10 targets, but five for 41. Um, you know, Braxton Barrios, who had some big games, doesn't do much here. Elijah Moore, three for 22, leaves the game with a concussion, was designated as week to week, which does not sound great. Uh, can you start any Jets right now? Like, honestly, any Jets, any one of them, at any position, kicker, defense, wide receiver, any of them. I don't think you can. On the Denver side, uh, the running backs both have nice days. Melvin Gordon gets in the end zone. Javante William gets in the end zone. Tim Patrick, friend of the show that we've made him, five for 98. Cortland Sutton, five for 37. You know, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have a big day here because he doesn't need to. And this is going to be something I, I was thinking about as I watched this game come to a close. When you are as bad as the Jets are and they continue to look this bad, we might have to adjust how much of a boost we give their opponent. Because typically you you have like a set in your mind of this is what I expect from player X. And I'm going to boost that with a multiplier of whatever based on this is a good matchup. But the Jets are so incompetent right now that these teams take their foot all the way off the gas in the second half. We saw it last week in New England. We saw it this week in Denver. That just, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that Teddy Bridgewater couldn't have had another monster game. It's not that Cortland Sutton couldn't have had another monster game. They just didn't need to. And I think it's just something we have to kind of keep in mind if the Jets continue to look this bad. Dolphins Raiders is next up. And the Dolphins were way more competitive in this game than I thought they were going to be. Jacoby Brissett throws the ball 49 times, but for only 215 yards. Miles Gaskin has an okay game here. Three for uh, three of his six targets he catches for nine yards, 65 yards on the ground. Nothing special. Uh, but the big guys here of like, you start to look at the receiving core because with two on IR, we need to see where Jacoby Brissett's going with the ball. We have two very clear answers. Mike Giusecki and Jalen Waddell combined for 25 targets and 22 catches. 10 for 86 for the Mike Giusecki resurgence. 12 for 58 for Jalen Waddell. Devontae Parker gets four for 42. You know, Will Fuller had his moments, uh, got hurt late in this game as well. Shocking. Uh, so it is, but to me, the, this thing is a, the biggest question here is can Mike Jusecki continue this workload? Because he has been completely non-existent for, for the beginning part of the season. Was very, very hit or miss with Tua late last year. Was somebody I worried about a lot with Jalen Waddell coming in and, and Will Fuller coming in, but Waddle and Jusecki coexisted very well uh, with each other. We'll see if that trend continues. And for the Raiders, they find a way to get the job done again here in overtime. Derek Carr, another big performance, 386 and two touchdowns. Uh, I don't know what year it is, but Peyton Barber got 111 yards on 23 carries and a touchdown. So, yeah, another game missed for Josh Jacobs. The Kenyon Drake stuff's interesting. You know, three for 33 in the passing game on his six targets, eight carries for 24 yards. Why did the Raiders pay Kenyon Drake all this money to be Jalen Rashard when they still have Jalen Rashard on the roster? Like, I know he's hurt, but this is how you're going to use Kenyon Drake? Which, not that Kenyon Drake is some transcendent talent that needs to be getting 20 touches a game, but why did you pay him like that? Like, I, I don't, 
I, I will not understand that. Henry Luggs looks good. Like his line four for 78 might not stand out for you in the box score. He looks special. Like I, he is a player to, if you can buy him, you know, on basically for his draft day price or a little bit higher than his draft day, even I'd say 110% of his draft day price, you know, so 10% higher. I do it. He looks special. Uh, he's got, he had an awesome toe tapping catch on the sideline. We had to extend his hands all the way up. Like he looks like he's figured it out this year. They've, they've used him in different ways to get him involved. Like the, the stuff that we wanted to see from Henry Ruggs last year, we are starting to see. I would buy him as we can, uh, as soon as you can. Edwards, Brian, uh, three for 89, Hunter Renfro, five for 77 in the touchdown, continues to be very steady. Uh, five for 54 for Darren Waller. Uh, you know, look, he's not going to have monster games all the time. He's not Travis Kelsey. Nobody is, but a solid day for him. And look, right now, any double-digit performance from your tight end is a welcome sight. Three more games to get into here. The Seattle Seahawks and the Minnesota Vikings, a 30-17 victory for Minnesota. And Kirk Cousins looks good. He has been phenomenal for you in fantasy, picking up where he left off last year. 323 and three touchdowns, completing 30 of his 38 passes. The big game for Justin Jefferson we've been waiting for since the start of the season is here. Nine for 118 and a touchdown on 11 targets. Tyler Conklin has a monster performance as well. Seven for 70 and a score. The big story, though, is the running. Oh, by the way, Adam Thielen scores another touchdown. Dude just, dude's just going to score like 12 to 15 touchdowns a year. He just does. This is what he does now. The big story, though, was waking up, as many of you did, uh, on Sunday morning to find out that Dalvin Cook, who Mike Zimmer made it seem like everything was fine during the week. Oh, you know, you know, if he's out there, we're going to give him the full workload. He's fine. Like, you know, we'll just be. And then he's, he's we get the report that he's going to be an act. Super. So if you had Alexander Madison on your roster, then you were perfectly happy making that swap. 26 carries on. Alexander Madison got 32 touches in this game. I mean, I guess what are you saving him for if you're not going to use him like that in this? But 32 touches. He loves, loves feasting on Seattle, apparently. Just got to play out. Every time the Vikings and Seahawks play, you just got to play Alexander Madison. But 26 carries for 112 yards on the ground. Eight, six for 59 through the air. I mean... If Cook's out long, I guess we don't expect him to be out long-term, but if Cook's out next week, obviously this is what we've been waiting for. Like we've been waiting for this opportunity with Alexander Madison. Like this is why he's been the premier handcuff. This is why it's like him and Tony Pollard have been the two guys for a couple of years now that everybody's been all in on as a handcuff. This is what you expect. Monster performance. Hopefully you started him if you had Dalvin Cook, or if you just happen to have him on your roster. Again, I've said this before. There's nothing wrong with stealing other people's handcuffs. He had a monster game. Chris Carson, 80 yards and a touchdown on the ground. This was the big DK Metcalf game, not Tyler Lockett. Four for 31, uh, got banged up late in this game, but DK Metcalf looked awesome. Six for 107 and a touchdown. So it's kind of like that get right game for two guys who took as top 10, really top seven wide receivers in Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf in this matchup. The quote unquote NFC championship preview uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams went LA's way, and Matthew Stafford was sensational. 343 yards, four touchdowns. Look, look who's back to Sean Jackson. Three for 120 and a touchdown, and could have had another long one earlier in the game, but Matthew Stafford got hit in the pocket, so the ball went was significantly underthrown. Cooper Cup continues to be an absolute freak 
12 targets, nine for 96 and two more touchdowns. The number one wide receiver in fantasy over the first three weeks, number two this week. Uh, what an absolute stud he has been, but it's kind of come at the expense of Robert Woods, only three for 33 in this game, six targets. Uh, it just doesn't seem like there's that connection between Stafford and Woods to the same caliber there was with golf and woods. It's definitely something to keep in mind. I don't know if he's like even a buy low candidate for me right now. Like he's just somebody that if you have, I think you start to move him into flex slash top of your bench territory. I wouldn't sell him for 60 cents on the dollar or whatever he's paying right now, but I also wouldn't go out and buy him for that price either. I think you just kind of hold steady uh, with Robert Woods right now. Tyler Higby has another nice day, five for 40 and a touchdown here, bouncing back. And Sony Michelle gets 23 touches, 20 carries in Daryl Henderson's absence. Uh, doesn't do a whole lot with him. But look, it's a tough matchup for him. It just it is what it is. So you don't run on the Bucks. 3.4 yards per carry for Michelle. And on Tampa Bay side, Brady, 432 and a touchdown on 55 throws. Evans over 100 yards, 8 for 106. Godwin, 6 for 74. Gronk, 4 for 55. Got hurt uh, at points in this game, came back. The two takeaways for me is, A, uh, Bucks couldn't rush at all. Tom Brady was their leading rusher, which I don't care what the context of that sentence is. It's bad. Like, want no context of that sense whatsoever. And on the other side of things, Gio Bernard, 10 targets, nine catches, 51 yards and touchdown. This was like the James White, Dion Lewis, Kevin Falk, Gio Bernard we were talking about a little bit in the preseason. I'm not going to fully buy into this yet. I This is the first time we've seen it, and Gio Bernard has been essentially a non-factor for the most part uh, earlier uh, earlier this season. But it is something to note and to be aware of. Uh, and just be cognizant of the fact that he was used in this fashion. But I think Antonio Brown being out and the, the kind of the game flow of this game, them being behind a lot, uh, forced a lot of Gio Bernard action in this game. Finally, 37 seconds was all Aaron Rodgers needed to drive his team down the field in the field goal range for Mason Crosby to kick a 51-yard field goal to cap off a wild, wild Sunday of action. Devontae Adams was the absolute freaking stud that he always is. 18 targets in this game, 12 for 132 and a touchdown. And was really, aside from Aaron Rodgers, the huge, the huge, the biggest. I mean, quite frankly, it was just Rodgers, Devontae Adams on that final drive that got them into field goal range. Marquez Valdez Scantling gets in the end zone as well. You know, Aaron Jones, a little bit more subdued this game. Uh, you know, you're not going to catch like three touchdowns. So you're not going to what? What do you have? Four touchdowns in the last game? Uh, 19 for 82 and a touchdown on the ground, two for 14 through the air. But Aaron Rodgers does Aaron Rodgers things. And this was a phenomenal way to end the night. On the San Francisco side, we didn't see really any of, of Trey Sermon in the first half. Actually had negative yardage going into halftime. Uh, but he ended up bouncing back, gets in the end zone, 10 carries for 31 yards. But it was Kyle Juszczyk who got a lot of work in this game. Five carries, four catches. He had the go-ahead touchdown that many thought was going to be the game-winning touchdown. George Kittle finally has a bigger game here. Gets nine targets, catches seven for 92. Debo ends with five for 52. And a Brandon Ayuk signing, four for 37 and a score. So good to see Brandon Ayuk on the field a little bit more. Good to see him getting six targets. Good to see him getting in the end zone. So I think he's slowly been, but surely working his way out of Kyle Shanahan's doghouse, but it was a really great week 
of NFL action. I am very much looking forward to being joined by another voice. And I'm sure you guys are as well from after listening to me for however long this has gone now. Uh, Chris Schubert, Jake Arians will be back for our Tuesday show. We will talk about all of my rankings where I somehow try to figure out where to put the Bears next week. We will talk about waiver wire pickups. We will talk about everything that you need to know heading into week four. Hopefully you won your matchup this week or you can win it on Monday night football. Eagles, Cowboys, tune in. Uh, Keep an eye on Miles Sanders' injury. Keep an eye on Amari Cooper's workload. And good luck this week. For my co-hosts that are not here right now, I bid you adieu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.